From Engaged Cornell, I'm Natalie Breikoff, and this is Shifting and Shaping, a podcast on community members who are shaping a new American paradigm. I recently read an article from the New York Times about Janis Joplin giving Bessie Smith a headstone after she had lied for 30 years in an unmarked grave. After some quick Google searches, I realized that Bessie Smith was not alone in this and that there were dozens, over a hundred famous trailblazing American blues musicians that were lying in unmarked graves across our country. This is a hidden, pervasive epidemic for some of our national treasures. Musicians like Bessie Smith, Robert Johnson, Memphis Minnie, Mississippi John Hurt, and dozens of others have trailblazed American music and global music. They've influenced artists from the Rolling Stones to Kanye West, and yet many of them still lie in unmarked graves today. From the Mount Zion Memorial Fund, I was connected to Anise Bradley of Coldwater, Mississippi, a descendant of the young fife and drum family tradition who is currently piecing together and memorializing her family's history. I just saw the tradition just kind of fade away and I never understood why. And you know, because I was a little girl, but you know, as I uh, came into adulthood, I'm trying to figure out like, what happened to, what happened to my family? You know, our music, what happened to our music? Fife and Drum Blues is an American blues genre that was born out of the Civil War. The Young family spearheaded this tradition in Mississippi as one of the most prolific bands of its kind. I had the honor of speaking to Anise Bradley, who's a descendant of Lonnie Young, the founder of this sector of the genre. And it was an absolute privilege to learn about this music from her. She has a connection to the blues that is far deeper than anything that I could have ever imagined. When we buried my grandfather, we gave him a great uh, funeral and my grandma, we gave them a beautiful home going. Mm-hmm. But they were not recognized for, um, you know, the Mississippi fight and drum. And so, you know, that hurts, you know. So I've always, I've always had a passion of going back and trying to find out what happened, you know, to my family's music. Because, you know, before I was even, you know, brought into this world or thought of, my grandparents or my great-grandparents, they were out making music. And this was like in, the, um, had to be like in the 1920s or what have you, because they had been playing so long and they already had a following, you know, when they came and met with uh, Lomax Records. Malzine has allowed me to be able to be a part of something. Not only that is, you know, for my family, that's major, but it's so many families Mm-hmm. They have they have done so much beautiful work. For Anise Bradley, the blues means heritage and family. It started with my uh, great-grandfather, Lonnie Young. And that was um, when he was a kid, you know. Um, 
everybody uh, knows that the Mississippi, uh, well, Fife and Drum, you know, that's, that goes all the way back to, you know, American history, you know, right. back to Civil War. Uh, so anytime a war, a war is in place, you had the uh, uh, militia, you had the uh, band to march, you had the, the drums, which is a snare, uh, a snare drum, and then you also had uh, a fife. Their instruments came about from the very ingredients of the Mississippi Delta. The fife uh, that uh, he had, it was actually handmade. So he made his own uh, instruments and my Uncle Buster uh, helped to make the uh, fife every now and again. So it was made out of wood, out of uh, cane. And so... um, That's incredible that that's such a, that's a legacy in your family. And how does... Fife and drum blues differentiate from other blues traditions. What's what is like the the sound of that? It was the instruments that were actually believed in all of the in all of the music. So um, you know, just it, but it was a mixture of different genres of music. You had uh, the country uh, music, which my uh, my grandparents they love uh, the country music. You got. Um, the gospel, which was the big portion of it, but then the blues comes in with the stories that they have to tell, you know. So even and it was almost it was like my family was smiling through a lot of pain, and that was in the lyrics of uh, of their music. One of the song was "I'm gonna you know gonna buy a Chevrolet," right. and even though he would never get. There's no way in the world that uh, he'd be able to afford the Chevrolet yeah. <laughs> to get the Chevrolet, but it was uh, it was inspiration too. You know that song would make you believe that you know after you finish listening to it that you were definitely going to get that Chevrolet or he was going to get that Chevrolet one day. I think it's so cool that your family is so steeped in blues history and I'd love to learn about how the music is significant to you and your family and your upbringing and what perspective that's given you. We're raised in a church but you had um, more family that was you know, in the jokes, in the joke house. <laughs> so we had the blues. And so, um, you know, it was just at that time, um, the blues was considered just the devil music. The blues sound just like the gospel music that was played, that was being sung in the church or every now and again played on uh, radio stations. And so it was just so much of an uproar or it appeared to be so wrong to sing the blues. But I think I would like to say that, you know, my family kind of bridged the gap in Mississippi because they not only had people out there from, you know, you know, you know, the juke joints coming out outside of all places to a picnic to listen to them play. Anise Bradley's family musical connection to the universal themes of hope, 
Resilience and togetherness is a beacon of light in the journey towards a kinder world. The crowd of people that they bought in, you know, from the peak for the picnics that they had, you know, it was just beautiful. Everybody was able to stand outside. You had uh, hundreds of people out and it was not only the music, it was the food, you know, um, the wives and their cooking. Doing everything and it was the whole experience. Yeah, it was. It it was beautiful. So um, for me uh, now, uh, it's kind of hard, you know, to even talk about it because we we've lost so much time in not uh, keeping up with uh, the tradition. Um, You know, it's just heartbreaking. You know um, that so much has happened. You know, with our with our family music. Um, but you know, what do you, what do you mean by that? Like what happened, like what has happened from then to now, like with the tradition? Well, um, for my family, they were everywhere. And I can remember seeing, uh, my granddad, Mr. Rogers neighborhood. I'm certain everybody's from Oh, really? Wow. (laughs) With that. Yeah. So, but before then they were traveling everywhere. And, you know, even to this day, um, their music um, has been played in so many, so many movies like um, Gangs of New York. You would hear the music played throughout the whole movie. Wow. And, you know, that would just uh, that's, uh, you know, tears of joy. The picnics that the young family once played at soon faded away and with it, it's tradition. I uh, really want to vindicate, you know, I'll be the voice for my family to bring that tradition back um, for the reason why our music was, you know, uh, we didn't have much, um, but we also, uh, what we did have was, or what I did see in my family was uh, they had a lot of love, you know. Um, I thought, you know, as a child, we were the richest family. Because anytime my grandmother cooked or my, and my mother would cook, it would, they could feed the whole neighborhood. And everybody mm-hmm. is like the whole neighborhood would come. And if my grand and my granddad would always pull the drums out and it would be so many people just coming uh, to join us. And that was on uh, Yellow Dog Road in uh, Senatobia, Mississippi. Much more research into African-American cemetery destruction and the theft of land across the South needs to be done now that a time has come to consider reparations. Bringing information to the state to understand that uh, this is a burial site. Uh, It is historical grounds and different, different locations. And then you have to just bring to light you know, with getting the proper markers for uh, the, lo- the different locations and getting the um, publication out uh, to the, you know, the different, uh, you know, marketing and uh, getting the information out to the public about where you can find um, this person, or, you know, this artist, you know, where you can find uh, their grave site. You know, it's, you know, heartbreaking, but then also comforting that I'm a part of an organization that is helping so many families or different citizens, uh, you know, who are grieving on behalf of uh, the person. Recognition is due and you're going to do whatever it takes or whatever you can to make certain that that person 
is recognized for their work and they get the proper memorialization that uh, they truly deserve. So yeah. it's a lot of work, but it's, it is, it, it is, I promise you it's, it's worth it. I feel so connected to the mission and I really believe in it. And, and it's been so great to like hear about this world and the, the, the dynamics in Mississippi, which I had no idea. And I'm from New York and I, I would have no other reason how, like to find this connection besides loving blues music. So that's been really, that's been really cool to, to learn about. And my question to you is what's next for everybody? How, what's next for the blues music and how can we all, you know, find our own connection to it? Because it's such an important part of American history and of American music today. Everybody. I mean, I'm not just talking about blacks. I mean, it's whites, white, uh, whites, and I believe a, a little bit Italian. Um, it has some blues artists. So, it, I mean, that's a part of our history. And if we let it die, then we're, you know, we're we're letting a very important part of uh, American history uh, wither away with it. If we don't keep recognition, if we don't continue on putting it in history books um you may i think you may find probably one page uh in history books about the blues or what have you um you know in our uh, textbooks for our children and it really really doesn't uh, shed enough light on or give is to me it's not enough justification about you know, where, where blue started, you know, um, um, how, you know, it came into play is not just, uh, economics. It's not just, uh, history. Um, they also need to know about what kept us going through our hard times. It was music. The sounds have changed as the time changed, the sound of the blues and the music, it's changed. And what I see happening to the blues is, gradually going into like R&B, you know, mm -hmm. like an R&B sound. And so we need to shed light on the blues and preserve, you know, the blues, because to me, I feel like it's, it's going away. We're losing what the meaning of a true, what blues is, which was to me, it was inspiration to keep you going through all your hard times. You know, um, it was a smile, being able to smile uh, during those hard times. That's what the blues mean to me. It's a double-edged sword. Yes, yeah, it, exactly. So, but if we don't put it in writing and um, share, you know, and I feel like we're gonna lose it. And it really needs to be preserved in a textbook you know, something for our children to know more about, you know, the different genres of music, but definitely the blues is going to be number one. Yeah. <laughs> number one. Yeah. So, yeah. But also yeah. it seems now that rap or a lot of pop music samples mm -hmm. blues, they take yeah. the best, they take the great parts of these songs. The listeners have no idea that where they came, where they yeah. came from. They probably <laughs> think the artist created them. And but they're also losing that message, that important mm -hmm. message of hope. It's just yeah. the sound. It's it's taken away from that meaning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I wish that the entertainment industry or the music industry could educate people on that, because yes. when they're educating people on where this music is coming from, they're educating them on 
race in America and the different mm-hmm. dynamics that go into that. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yes, absolutely. It was great yeah. speaking with you. And it's, that's just so incredible that your, your entire family and your childhood is so steeped in blues music. I mean, I love my family and, you know, I just want to be able to keep, keep um, our memories alive and be able to share it with uh, the world. With the aid of the incredible organizations and people with whom I have spoken, many dozens of Black musicians will lie in newly marked graves across the country. Within the immense tragedy, there is power and justice in preserving the legacy of life. If you want to support this work, please consider donating to the Mount Zion Memorial Fund. That's it for Shifting and Shaping. I'm Natalie Breikoff. See you next week.